Hello, my name is James Pikeaway, and welcome to Public Speaking in the Summer, Calm 230, my summer class. Where'd we go today? Wow, everyone's tired. It's getting warm here. We started talking a little bit about what is expected on the informative speech on Thursday. And also, we took a deep dive into Chris Anderson from Ted's Guide to Using Visuals. Kind of a fun class. Battled with the internet. Battled with electricity and Wi-Fi at my house. But it all came together in the end. This is Calm 2.30 in the summer. We're at our Thursday informative speech, which means following Thursday is the persuasive speech, which is great. And, you know, the, the thing to keep in mind as you start thinking persuasive speeches, so there, there are lots of little things that, you know, little things. There are parts to a persuasive speech that are different from other speeches. But for the most part, the same skills that you employ with an informative speech are the skills that you're going to employ with a persuasive speech, except a persuasive speech is trying to provoke action. So the goal with a persuasive speech is to persuade people to do something. So the big challenge, and we'll talk about this uh, on, on Thursday after your speeches, the big challenge with a persuasive speech is not just doing an informative speech because they share so many of the same elements. But a persuasive speech ultimately wants people to start something. So you you really have to be thinking in terms of a persuasive speech. So, uh, so what do you need to be thinking of is, and this is the important piece, right, is, okay, I'm going to do a speech on global warming. All right, okay, that's great. That's an informative speech. Oh, no, no, but I want people to do something. Like maybe you're going to say, I, or, you know, say, okay, so global warming, ah, I'm going to talk about, about uh, using less water. Okay, good. So what are you going to ask them to do? Well, use less water. Hmm. So you're going to do a whole informative speech about using less water, but what are you going to ask them to do? Well, I'm going to ask them to use less water. How do they start doing that? And and so what differentiates, a, you know, a, a, an okay persuasive speech from an amazing persuasive speech is the speech that ultimately directs people on how to start the persuasive action now and at this point of of what they're doing and that is a, that that's the hard part and it, i mean it's it's hard but it's not hard it's hard in that so many speeches don't do that and what they do so many great speeches that are are that end up being an informative speech because the people who they're talking to don't have something to start doing and if you can't start something then you then you don't have a persuasive speech because they're just going to go oh yeah that's nice to know but uh, yeah, it doesn't apply to me so you know an example of you might say okay i want to i want people to start thinking about reducing co2 gas emissions and it's like okay well how do we do that you could say okay well there is there is a way to start doing it because if you can cut down the amount of water that the UAE desalinates because they desalinate using these giant turbines that that essentially boil the water so that you get the salt stays and then you get the, the osmosis and, and they collect the steam and then that ultimately desalinates the water. In order to do that, you need a lot of gas. And so they're burning a lot of gas. Gas makes CO2 emissions. So if you can reduce the amount of water people use, you can reduce the amount of CO2 gas emissions. Okay, so how can you and I reduce water use? Because again, it's like, like, what do you want me to do? So again, with a persuasive speech, you want people to start doing something. So you start thinking, ah, there's one thing we can start doing today. And today, if I was doing that persuasive speech, today, what I can do is very simply, every time I brush my teeth, turn off the water. So what happens typically when you think about at home, what happens when people brush teeth? They put the toothpaste on the toothbrush, they turn on the water, they put the toothbrush underneath the water, water stays running, then if you brush for 60 seconds, you're using a lot of water. But what if you put water on your toothbrush, turned off the water from the tap, brush, 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 spit, spit it out, turn on the water, rinse your brush, have a little drink, turn off the tap, and, and you're done. You use a whole bunch less. Now, how much less do you use? 
fill up, put the stopper in the sink and measure it. How many cups do you take out of the sink when you're doing it? That's a, so suddenly you can say, you and I today, right now, when we go home, we're going to start saving water. How are we going to do it? We're going to turn off the sink, turn off the tap when we're brushing our teeth and we will save X, Y, Z and then take it a step further. Say, as soon as you do that, I want you to post a picture up on Instagram or Twitter with the hashtag. I'm saving water. I'm helping the environment, etc. So you need to a have people be able to do something, and b hold them accountable to it. That's how that's how that's how a persuasive speech works. If you're not doing that, then it's really just an informative speech. If there's not some way people can action what they're doing, and a lot of people do persuasive speeches, they try to persuade us without any kind of persuasive action. So that becomes the real big challenge. Okay, so that's where we're going Thursday, but today we're, we're talking a little bit more about informative speeches, and we want to talk more about visuals, because our last two speeches, persuasive and your motivational speech, are going to be using visuals. And what, what that means is you're going to want to use some form of visual aid, and I mean, I do it every class, right? I go to my share screen, I pick... The screen, if you go to that, that little green box at the bottom of your screen, you're going to see share screen. And then it opens up a number of different boxes from your desktop. And I share my screen every class, right? And, and in that class, this becomes an audio or an audio visual tool. And are these good? You know, for a speech, I wouldn't be using these for course notes. They're okay. But for a speech, they're not really good slides if I'm doing a speech. They're way too wordy, and they, they're way too congested with stuff. So I, I wouldn't say that they're the best kind of thing. Do they all, as, as notes, do they work? Yes, as, as slides, no. But what you're going to be doing in your speech is, is in your, your last two speeches, your persuasive and your motivational speech, you're going to be using some form of visual aid. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that today and, and talk more about visual aids and give you some more stuff. So it'll, the, the, the short side of it is it's going to involve sharing your screen. And so you're going to want to make sure that you've, you've thought through the documents that you're using or the things that you're using or the photos that you're using, etc. And, and And that's part of the task is doing that. So it's going to be it's going to be fairly all right. Okay. So what what's our plan for today? Very simply, we want to talk a little bit more about visuals. We have a 1-minute presentation that you're going to do for some feedback, and that feedback is is aimed at helping you just work through some of the small challenges that you've you're having. Fatma Mohammed, she's got a great strategy that she's employing for her next speech, and that's she's recording herself as she's practicing so that she can hear what she's doing and build on on the positive things and modify things that might be annoying or that that could be worked out. So that's that's a great uh, great thing to know as well. Um, all right. Where we want to go today, we got two things that we're doing. First, we want to talk a little bit more about visuals. And I think visuals become really, really important in our speeches. And the number one thing you need to remember at all times is you're the presentation, not the visuals. You're the presentation, not the visuals. So the visuals work with you, but you don't let them take over your presentation. So you've, you've had a couple of readings now. I've given you one reading on visuals that comes from our online textbook. And I've got another reading that I've, I've posted up for you that is very different in that it is a speaking guide in a sense. And it's from the, uh, I posted up a piece of Chris Anderson's speaking guide for TED Talks. 
And there's there's a whole book actually that he's put that he's put together on speaking like a, a Tedster and what goes into making these speeches work. Oh dear, Matha, that was very loud. <laughs> okay. So what you we want to keep going back to, and this is something that, that I've been saying over and over and over again, ladies, really, really important as you're thinking about any speech. And as we're thinking about any speech and we start thinking about the physical speech, you know the, the pattern for your physical speech. Introduction, conclusion, you're going to have three points to work with, examples, multiple, stories multiple for each of those points. And each of those things links all together. And, and that's, that's the basic core of a speech. They follow that same pattern and that's what you're really getting used to. And thinking about what type of speech am I doing? Is it informative? Is it persuasive? And then within the different speech category, what type of speech am I doing in that? So if I'm doing an informative speech, am I doing a demonstration speech? Am I doing a definitional speech? Those kinds of things you want to be thinking about. As I've said, the best speeches done by the people who are doing them the best in uh, uh, globally are the speeches where the speaker knows their speech. They know it. It's something that they've practiced. They know when they're going to laugh. They know where they're smiling. They know where they're going to talk really fast because remember, I keep talking about vocal variety. What's going to be really important in this speech that you're going to do on Thursday? Vocal variety. What's going to be really important? Transitions. What's going to be really important? Do I have something to add to my credibility? Am I able to say, uh, according to... As we know from, am I going to be able to put that into my presentation? You need that. So we got three things so far. Fourth thing, a clear, concise conclusion that brings your whole speech together. Not just a summary statement, but a nice, clear conclusion. So that in 20, 30 seconds, everyone who's listening knows, okay, so what was she talking about? We know, and we know what the point was. So that becomes really, really important. We know that package of things. And we do this every class, right? We spend some time with everyone doing a little bit of a, of, of a presentation and we're getting used to our vocals. As I said before, Mary Mohammed, uh, no, sorry, Fatma Mohammed, she's recording herself and practicing hearing that. But remember when we do our speeches on Thursday, we don't want to, it, it's not a recording. You're doing it live. And with all the warts and all the problems, everyone does them live. And that becomes really, really the, the fun part. Remember as you're practicing, remember as you're putting your speech together, you've outlined it. You know what the and outlining is really important. And then you've gone together and you started sketching the outline together. You started writing things. You get an idea where you want to go, which is good. But remember, you don't want to be reading your speech. It does, if you read it, and I'm telling you, if you put the words out in front of you, you will read them. You want it to sound like you're talking with us. You want it to sound it natural. So it takes a lot of practice to do that. And you, you're going to get to the point where you, you might even have that written text there, but you know where it's going and it, it just works. It comes together. That takes practice. That's the part of this class that is all the, the stuff that you do in other classes where you're writing a term paper, doing a group activity. In this class, it's practicing and putting together that product. So you're just doing a different thing. You don't want to be lecturing. You want it to sound like you're presenting us with an idea. You're informing us. You're excited about it. You need to have that emotion, that enthusiasm, and you need to bring the content all together. And that's, that's, that's your goal. And so that's the thing you keep thinking about because that element, those elements, sorry, those elements of what we've been talking about follow you through every single speech you do. And that becomes just really the core of, of how you speak. That's, that's what you're doing. So every speech might change in what's the purpose of it, but ultimately the formula, the box that you're filling up stays the same. And, and if, as soon as you start getting into that, it becomes much easier. So where we want to go today is we want to talk a little bit more about visuals and, and how to use them better. Now, this is the big, big challenge. And I, I say this over and over and over again. Just like speaking, visuals become a huge challenge because 
just like speaking, we, we've learned how to speak by examples of people from, you know, as, as early as we could talk right through all of our high school years, right through up, up to today in our university career, we've imitated how professors are talking, how other students are talking, how they're presenting things, how they're using PowerPoint or Keynote or Prezi or what we're simply following their examples. And we believe me included that they're doing it the best way. They're not necessarily doing it the best way. They're not necessarily really that good at presenting their ideas. And they're definitely not really good at putting them into a visual format that complements what they're saying. So where do we turn to? My suggestion is we turn to Ted and we look at what is being done on the Ted stage. And I know some folks will say, well, hold on a second. That's, that's, that's a whole, uh, you know, that's entertainment. It's not professional. It's not scientific. It doesn't apply. And I say, no, no, no. It applies to every type of talk we will do. The core ideas that are being presented in a TED talk indeed are hard research, indeed are scientific, indeed are trying to advance things, indeed are applying some core ideas of entertainment and information and education all into one and giving us the speech that we all and the type of speech that we all should be doing. The more we start making that the norm, the better we're going to be. Now, can everyone and anyone be a a TED style speaker? Yes. Is anyone and everyone going to be? No. Because they're not going to put in the time and they're not going to think about what they're doing. Number one thing we notice about all TED Talks is none of them are done off the cuff. They're all planned. They're all practiced. They're all rehearsed over and over and over and over and over in front of different audiences in some cases until the speaker gets it to where it needs to be. Until they can say, this is the best I will ever be able to do. This is a great speech. And that applies not only to what's going on with with the, the, the talk that they're presenting, but it also talks about what is going to be going on with what they put up in the visuals. And that's where we want to talk about today. So the, the first thing that you're going to notice is I've put up a reading and it, it truly is a must read. You want to go and give this reading a look. It's, it's as we're taking a look at things, it is, well, it's, it's not the prettiest looking reading. It, it's, it's, it's a chapter, a part of a chapter from the official TED Guide to Public Speaking. And we're looking at chapter 10 and presentation process. And, and you obviously will be able to go through it. And I encourage you to. I think it's, it truly is a great reading. Now, where do we want to kick off with this? And I want to kick off with thinking about how we're using visuals. And this is the same thing. When we go back to all of the talks that I've shown you so far, whether it's a Sarah Jones and she's using costumes, whether it's a Mark Bezos and he's using a costume, whether it's a Matt Coots and he's got just some, some various pictures put up, What we notice from every single presentation that I've highlighted so far in the class is, one, the type of visual aid that's being used 100% complements the speaker. Two, the visual aids are not cluttered. One idea per image. One core thing being presented. Minimum number of words minimum number of words, maximum amount of impression. And where possible, you're trying to time shift in that you using your images to help add words to what you're saying so that your audience is getting more bang for what is being shown. And I think that becomes very, very useful. I want to start off with a, I want to, we want to kick off with a very particular presentation because I just like this presentation. Now, this is is also something that's very interesting. So we're going to we're going to listen to a, a little bit of a speech by Bono. And you may know or may not know Bono is the lead singer of the band U2. And what's interesting is this is not Bono's 
first TED Talk. But if you listen to Bono's other TED Talks, so where we're at is we're talking about visuals and we're talking about those those visual presentations that we do. So picking up our conversation there, what we're looking at is the simple fact that as we're producing this content, we need to be thinking in terms of, okay, what's going on? How do we make this work? And how do we, how do we design our presentations, not just in what we're saying, but in how we're going to interact and work with the visuals, and this is something that many, many, many of us don't do. We don't do what, we, what we're not doing um, is thinking about how what we're putting on a screen is interacting and how we're going to interact with it. Many times as you're producing your talk, and as we've done for our first two, the, the second one being on Thursday, the... You've, you've spent an enormous amount of time working on how am I going to present this? How am I going to put it together? Now what we're going to be adding to it in our last two talks are is a visual component, which you also need to be thinking, what am I doing with this? How is it working? How am I pulling it together? And that becomes super important. If we're not thinking about that, then we have a challenge and then we have a problem. And that's where most of our speakers go wrong. They don't think a whole bunch about what they're going to say, and then they add to it a PowerPoint or visuals that they haven't also practiced with. And if you haven't practiced with that content, then you start running into a whole bunch of problems and challenges. And so that's where we're at. And we want to talk a little bit more today about those visuals and what we, we ultimately need to be thinking about as we put it together. Uh, Miriam has a question and that question was like always, we've had a quiz already this class. We had it right at the start of class and we will then be doing your, you'll be doing your presentation and is, is that graded? No, does. So if you've got an appointment, you got to leave, you got to do what you got to do. I can't stress enough how important it is to stay and participate and be part of the, the speaking work that we do in class, this is not like other classes where you just go read something and it's done. This is a class where you get better by practicing and you get better by having feedback. So, but you got to do what you got to do. So we know we have a reading and I encourage you to take a look at that. The talk we want to look at to kick off today is this one. Let's see if it's going to all come together for me and, and work given that we've got dodgy internet now <laughs> it's trying it is trying so what we what we want to be thinking about is how and what we do with a talk and how these how we're using our images with a talk and what do what do what do the images do so let me go back to it let's see if we can click back in and get it to work uh, wonderful thing about the internet was working beautifully early this morning when I tested it and tried it. And then we've had power jumping where I am. So I don't know what's going on with that. So let's try and kick it on again. See if it'll work. Is it wanting to load? Not this time. Oh, here it is. Good. So what I'm going to do, I was going to play the first part of this video and we're going to, I'm going to stop it. We're going to talk a little bit about some of the pieces of it as it goes. Now, Chris Anderson asked me if I could put the last 25 years of anti-poverty campaigning uh, into 10 minutes for TED. That's an Englishman asking an Irishman to be succinct. So the first thing we also want to think about, and, and, and Bono does this very well, and you might say, oh, yeah, but he's a singer and he's used to doing that. Maybe so. Maybe, maybe he's used to the show. But he's a singer, and he sings songs that he knows, and now he's on stage talking about something very different than what he does. First thing, when we talk about visuals, don't be thinking, are you writing this down? 
Can I see a show of hands? People are writing this down. You're taking notes. It's very important you take notes, ladies. Very important you take notes. When we talk visuals, those visuals are not simply the PowerPoint or that thing that I'm showing. So I, you know, I could be talking about a pen. It's not simply that. Those visuals are also you. They're your Abaya. They're your Shayla. They're anything that you've got on your face. Glasses, makeup, uh, fingernail polish, shoes, all of these things, all the visuals are not only the things you're using in the talk, they're you as well. So you want to be thinking about how all of the package in your talk comes together. Second, and this is something that Bono's doing really well, speed. How fast do you talk? What's the speed of your talk? Remember, it's about three seconds for, sorry, three words a second, three and one, three words a second. And <laughs> who's drawing on my things? Three words a second. And what becomes, <laughs> I've, I've been, I've been, I'm being bombed. I'm being Zoom bombed. Good to see you're making it work. So three words a second. And you want to think about the story. You want to think about how am I introducing things? How am I making this work? I said, uh, I said, Chris, that would take a miracle. He said, uh, Bono, wouldn't that be a good use of your messianic complex? Uh, so, yeah. Then I thought, let's go even further. Let's go then 20. Let's go back before Christ. Three millennia to a time when at least in my head, the journey for justice, the march against inequality and poverty really began. 3,000 years ago. So what, something that, that we are not necessarily able to do in class at this point because we're not turning on our cameras, but looking at your audience and thinking about hand gestures and using them appropriately. This is a whole other area that you always want to be thinking about as you're talking. And you'll notice that I'm constantly doing it as you're watching me, and that's part of what we're doing here is you want to be thinking about how is it that you're using all of those tools, the visual aids. Your hands just become a visual aid. Looking at the audience, looking back and forth, all become important to what you're doing. Civilization just getting started on the banks of the Nile. Some slaves, Jewish shepherds in this instance, smelling of sheep shit, I guess, um, proclaim to the Pharaoh, sitting high on his throne, we, your majestiness, are equal to you. And the Pharaoh replies, oh no, you, your miserableness, have got to be kidding. And they say, no, no, that, that's what it says here in, in, in our holy book. Cut to our century, same country, same pyramids, another people spreading the same idea of equality with a different book. This time it's called the Facebook. Crowds are gathered in Terrier Square. They turn a social network from virtual to actual and kind of rebooted the uh, 21st century. Pausing, speeding up when he talks a little bit. Again, all part of vocal variety. Expression, taking on other voices every now and then. Again, part of that vocal variety project that you want to be doing. Not to undersell how messy and ugly the aftermath of the Arab Spring has been, neither to oversell the role of technology, but these things have given a sense of what's possible when the age-old model of power, the, the pyramid, gets turned upside down, putting the people on top and the pharaohs of today on the bottom, as it were. It's also shown us that something as powerful as information and the sharing of it can challenge inequality because facts, like people, want to be free. And when they're free, liberty is usually around the corner, even for the poorest of the poor. Facts that can challenge cynicism and the apathy that leads to inertia. Facts that tell us what's working and, more importantly, what's not so we can fix it. What I want you to pay attention to is, is again, as he's talking, he's just having a conversation with 5,000 people. And while he's talking at them, he's also actively talking with them. And that's what you want. So again, you're slowing down, you've got your points, and you've got a rhythm to it. And you don't, and you're, 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 you've got, like, it's a lyrical rhythm almost to your voice. Again, becomes very important. He's getting to his visuals. 
facts that if we hear them and heed them could help us meet the challenge that Nelson Mandela made back in 2005 when he asked us to be that great generation that overcomes that most awful offense to humanity, extreme poverty. Facts that build a powerful momentum. So I thought, forget the rock opera, forget the bombast, my usual tricks. The only thing singing today would be the facts. For I have truly embraced my inner nerd. So exit the rock star. Enter the evidence-based activist, the factivist. And, and what the, the, because what the facts are telling us is that the long, slow journey, humanity's long... I love this, this little bit of his presentation where he talks about the long, slow journey. So his words, again, he's got this vocal variety going, his visuals are coming. Long, slow journey of equality is actually speeding up. Look at what's being achieved. Look at the pictures these data sets print. Since the year 2000, since the turn of the millennium, there are 8 million more AIDS patients getting life-saving anti-red... So here we go with, again, taking a graph, a very stylized graph, and, and you can see on the graph as we start talking about things, there's not, there's, there's not a lot of words to it. There are words, but they're, they're very specific sets of words, and they're, they're there to show very specific things. You've got some, some years and some numbers going up the side here, and you've got this nice curve, and you've got some more numbers here. This is not the way a typical Excel sheet graph looks, but it does highlight this very key point as we're looking at something. And, and it highlights this this number set over here this 8 million that's what it's trying to do and it's and it's attempting to show how the curve is changing that's all that it's trying to do and in and and in that process this kind of graph works pretty well let's see if we can't move on a little bit here retroviral drugs malaria there are eight countries in sub-Saharan Africa that have their death rates cut by 75%. So this is another interesting one. So he's talking about malaria being cut by 75%. There's eight countries in Africa. He doesn't mention what they are, but he's put them on the slide projector. And, and what's he done? He's, he's thinking about images. He's thinking about how do I highlight things? So we've got some key data presented in a specific color. We've got the African countries that are down the side. We've got reduced in big letters. So we're, again, it's highlighting things that he's presenting and giving us a little bit more information about those countries over on the right-hand side. For kids under five, child mortality. Kids under five, it's down by 2.65 million a year. That's a rate of 7,256 children's lives saved each day. Wow. Big wow. numbers. Easy to see what they are. Let's just stop for a second, actually, and think about that. Have you read anything anywhere in the last week that is remotely as important as that number? Wow. Great news. It drives me nuts that most people don't seem to know this news. 7,000 kids a day. Here's two of them. This is Michael and, and Benedicta. And uh, they're alive, thanks in large part to Dr. Patricia Asamoa. She's amazing. And the Global Fund, which all of you financially support, whether you know it or not. And uh, the Global Fund provides antiretroviral drugs that stop mothers from passing HIV to their kids. This fantastic news didn't happen by itself. It was fought for, it was campaigned for, it was innovated for. And this great news gives birth to even more great news. Because the historic trend is this. The number of people living in back-breaking, soul-crushing extreme poverty has declined from 43% of the world's population in 1990 to 33% by 2000, and then to 21% 
by 2010. Give it up for that. So again, taking your typical Excel graph and playing with it. What I keep reading and, and what he what he's you know highlighting those numbers. Do you need to know all of the yearly numbers and all this, the, the, the numbers on the XY axis? Are they really necessary in this situation? Probably not. Would they be in your term paper that you've written on this? Probably. And so you've got your data sets that you're presenting in a more stylized manner that work with a presentation versus the stodgy graphs that you put up that no one can read that you've just cut out of your Excel sheet and pasted into the template of a PowerPoint, which is never what you want to do. And, and so many people do it because it's easy, it's simple, and oh, I, you know, I don't want to have to play with it. Maybe you don't need the graph at all. You just need the numbers. And maybe you, just, you can just show it. It's going down with your hands. Maybe that's possible. Have. Have. Now, the rate is still too high, still too many people unnecessarily losing their lives. There's still work to do, but it's, it's, it's heart-stopping. It's mind-blowing stuff. Emotion. Use emotion. And if you live on less than a dollar twenty-five a day, if you live in that kind of poverty, this is not just data. This is everything. If you're a parent who wants the best for your kids, and I am, this rapid transition is a route out of despair and into hope. And guess what? If the trajectory continues, look where the amount of people living on a dollar twenty-five a day gets to by 2030. Can't be true, can it? That's what the data is telling us. If the trajectory continues, we get to, wow, the, the zero zone. For number crunchers like us, that is the erogenous zone. <laughs> and it's fair to say that I am by now sexually aroused by the collating of data. <laughs> so, virtual elimination of extreme poverty, as defined by people living on less than $1.25 a day, adjusted, of course, for inflation from a 1990 baseline. We do live a good baseline. That's amazing. Now, I know that some of you think this progress is all in Asia or Latin America or model countries like Brazil and who doesn't love a Brazilian model? But look at sub-Saharan Africa. There's a collection of 10 countries, some call them the lions, who in the last decade have had a combination of 100% debt cancellation, a tripling of aid, a tenfold increase in FDI, that's foreign direct investment, which has unlocked a quadrupling of domestic resources, that's local money, which when spent wisely, that's good governance, cut childhood mortality by a third, doubled education completion rates, and they too halved extreme poverty. And at this rate, these 10 get to zero too. The amount of information that he just presented and explained, he, he, he used short forms that he gave the definitions for. He talked fast. He put it forward. Does he ever mention the 10 countries as he's talking? No, but they're on the PowerPoint. Do you need all of the, you've got the basic on the bottom, you've got the basic years on, on the left-hand side, you've got some numbers. Do we really need the numbers? No, they're percentages. All we want to know is the numbers are going down for extreme poverty. Does the graph show that? Yes. Does it work for the presentation? Because that's what's important here. Yes. If you want people to have all of this, this to look at more closely, what do you do? You put it on a handout. So the, the point being the point of all this being as we start looking at what we're doing and as we start looking at our presentations is we want to start thinking very closely about how is it that we're actually using what we're saying and how is it interacting? Let me just go down to the bottom here. How is it interacting with what we're presenting for people to look at via visuals? What you will get from this reading as we start doing it, and again, looking at how people are doing it and saying, hey, do I need a whole bunch of visuals? Do I, do I need to have motion graphics as Bono was using? Maybe not. Maybe that's not what you need. Do I, but if, if that's what works for you, then maybe do it. But if it's not what works for you, don't. What you want to be thinking about is, do I need visuals at all? How much visual, what, what's, what, how many visuals do I need beyond me being the visual. 
important to remember that a third of the Ted visuals that you watching and think Elizabeth Gilbert, if you go back to her, if you, if you're, you're, you know, you're thinking about others and there are, there are several of them out there. Maybe it's even Sarah Jones. Uh, is, is, oh, she actually uses lots of, <laughs> she uses tons of stuff, but they don't all have PowerPoints. And they don't all have things like Bono did visuals and, and in fact the the, the tat the, the stat from ted itself is a third of their best talks have no visuals at all it's just what you see and what you say it's just how you're putting your voice together the power of the talk as i keep repeating over and over and over again the power of your talk ladies is you and if you're gonna have crummy visuals that are hard to read and and you know as you're putting together slides you want to be thinking about what what exactly am I putting on that slide why am I putting that on the slide do I have to have a bunch of words on the slide if I'm doing that then the slide is doing the work not you you need to do the work and as this as I've put into the notes better to have no slides than bad slides better to have no slides and bad slides and think about how you can use visuals to your best advantage and and often this means getting beyond the classic way you've been doing it so far at side university and i'll tell you we we fall into the trap we open up powerpoint we go to a template we like the color we then go to the 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 choice of different slides and we fill in the boxes and there's a picture on one side and a room for a bunch of bullet pointed words on the other who's decided that that's the okay way and the best way to do the presentation because it's not who's decided that and why are we letting someone dictate to us how we put it together so things that you want to be thinking about is clearly why you're using visuals in the first place. What are they doing for you? Don't get lazy. Don't just say, oh, I'm going to throw a picture up there because, oh, it's, you know, it looks nice or it's, you know, it's nice. It, 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 it. Why are you using it? Do you need it? Maybe you just need a word. Maybe you just need a number. Maybe you just need something. But think about why you're using it and what is it bringing to your talk. Always remember, if the visuals don't work, you got to go it alone. So if that that happens and you, you've all been in a class where someone can't get their computer on or hey, everything, can you do the talk without the visuals? You have to be able to. So what what do the visuals bring to your talk? Think about that. Always remember, images and words might make things easier to explain, but there needs to be a good fit. And a lot of words is not a good thing. Fewer the better, easy to read, easy to understand. And ultimately, remember, and this is the big cardinal error. This is the big, you know, exclamation mark error that both you and I make all the time is when you're doing a presentation, one idea per slide not break the slide into four boxes or three boxes and have different different ideas on them and we're gonna one idea per slide one idea that's it one idea per slide now what you're gonna see as you start going through the reading and i've put some page numbers here is that you know sometimes it's great to leave slides up sometimes it's great to go to black screen and so you want to be thinking about why am I, remember, remember the whole process of putting together a, a presentation. What are we doing? Remember, sender, receiver. So we're, you know, uh, going back to the, the core model here where we're doing, you know, the sender of the idea, that's you. You're encoding what it is that you're trying to say. And you're then sending it through words and through images and through what you're wearing. Because remember in the sender-receiver model, the old classic uh, model of how we do things, Shannon Weaver, it's never one message being sent. There's always multiple messages being sent at the same time. So you're talking, that's a message. What you're wearing, that's a message. Your hands, that's another message. Your face, that's another message. And then you throw up some some nice slides that's another message so you've got a lot of communication happening and really what all you're trying to do is draw attention to what you're saying so you've put up your slide presentation and you're you're clicking away remember 
you need to practice a talk with a presentation. Don't just think, oh, it'll, it'll come to me, as everyone tends to do when they do presentations. They, they do their talk, which they don't practice enough, and then they produce a PowerPoint that goes with the talk, and they, they kind of, oh, yeah, this will work, this will work, these are the main points, but they never practice how they're going to link to it or very little practice. So it's kind of, you know, it's clunky. It, it doesn't have nice flow, and it's, it's not pleasant to watch. It's, it's, it hurts to watch because you're going, it could be so much better. But then you get the point where you're talking and you've got some images that you've put up on the screen. And one of the classic mistakes we make is we leave the images up there. Just like we don't want to have silence when we're talking. And what do we do? Um, so this is where I'm going. Um, like, so you know what's going on? Like, like, you know what I'm talking about, right? Okay. Okay. Or people add that one in too. I love that one. Okay. Okay. And they, they get, so it's, so you know what we're talking about. Okay. And you know, they, keep, they go on, 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 and on, and on, because they want to fill up the silence. But you're allowed to have silence. Silence can be good, especially silence is good when you're looking at your audience and you're looking around. The same principle works with your screen that's on behind you, and you've got your PowerPoint going, and you've got some stats that you've put up. Do you need to leave the stats there as you move to your next screen? No. What if I've put my numbers, I've got it, now I'm moving on, but I don't have a a visual for what I'm going to talk about next? Go to black screen. Go to a, 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 a blank screen. You don't have to have something up behind you. There's no rule that says you have to. In fact, having a transition from something to nothing back to something actually gives your audience a mental break. So they're able to concentrate again back on what you're doing, not what you're saying, all of the different things that you're doing, and trying to interpret what's going on in that screen and figure out how it links. You're giving them a break. You're allowed to do that. A lot of people don't. Why? I don't know. Why? Probably because they're following the pattern that they've been following forever and ever and ever on how to do presentations. Very, very, very important, as we see on page 117, don't let the slides take over from you. That is not what's what you're, you want to do. The slides are simply there to add to your presentation, not to be the presentation. You're the presentation. As this, this quote says, the main purpose of visuals is to share things your mouth cannot do well. Think about the, what we just saw with the Bono slides and we saw all of these graphs. He puts them up, boom, boom, boom. Talk. It's so easy to explain the downward slide in poverty. It's so easy to explain how things work. So photos, videos, animations, data, all of those things, you can give a quick hit of it in a nice stylized manner with the, with the core stuff you want. Put it up there. The classic graph the classic graph of you know coming from an excel sheet where you've got the xy axis with all sorts of little numbers that you can't read those are not good that is not a good presentation think about how you can get the data and make it very clear and make it work right off the bat that becomes a very good presentation and so again you want to think about what is it that i'm using why am i using it and how does it work and think about the aesthetic appeal Think about how do things look? How What are people going to think about it? Pixelated things, don't use them. Things that are going to work with your talk, you want to use. So little things to be thinking about as we start moving through this and as you're, you're going to go through the reading. Again, as you're thinking about how am I going to pull together visuals? What visuals do I need? How do they work with my talk? How are they going to answer questions or give information based on what's being seen? All of these things need to come together. One of the first things you want to think about is what's the aspect ratio of the presentation you're producing? And when you look at that and you look at setting up in the preferences of your PowerPoint or your keynote, you get a choice. Square uh, 16 by 9, which actually works really well on most of the projectors that we have at the university and not necessarily the default presentation mode. So you want to think about what you're, how you're setting up what you're doing for the devices you're going to be on. It becomes really important because it changes the size of the 
of, of the screen you've got to deal with. It changes the size of your slides. And so really important, 16 by 69 is the typical aspect ratio you want to use. And it's the aspect ratio I use for pretty much everything that I'm producing. Second thing to keep in mind as you're producing visuals, skip the templates, go with a blank slate, build the template yourself, build the screens yourself, build the slides yourself. Do not get trapped by someone deciding how things will be positioned, what fonts will go and what colors will go. Pick them yourself so that they work with your presentation. There's no, nothing better than having something that works for you as opposed to, well, this will fit. This will be okay. As soon as you say, okay, okay, ladies, is a C. No one wants a C. You want an A. So spend the time thinking about how those visuals are all going to fit together. Third, high-res images only. The, the amount of times people pull something from Facebook or Google and they're not high-res images, don't use them. If they're not high res and they're not something you can use, then don't use it. it. You don't want anything pixelated. You don't want anything with with watermarks on it. You need to find either royalty-free images or go to somewhere like Shutterstock and pay for a day use so that you can download images that are are paid for so that you can use them. And that becomes and there's and there's a lot of uh, Creative Commons available material as well. But make sure it's high res. If it's not high res, don't use it. Third thing, third thing, you want to use large fonts, 24-point font or larger in presentations. And don't mess up too many different sizes throughout your presentation. Keep it, you know, you've got your title size, you've got your text size, maybe you've got another size. That's it. But in, in really, you want to make sure that you're using 24-point or larger not smaller. So when, when you get those slides where someone's put in, you know, 18 point, it's too small. It's great if you're standing in front of the screen. It's not great in the back. So one, if you're going to use words, they need to be big so that you can see them. Just like on the Bono one, he had those, those numbers on the, the X and Y axis. Who knows what they said? You couldn't read them. They really didn't even need to be there because they're too small. So they're wasted. And then you just, you're, you've got your audience who's wondering what you've written and what, what's being said. So you need to use a large font. Other thing that you need to be aware of is if you're using a nice image, beware of the text going over the image because then people can't read it. And if people can't read it, then you've wasted your time because now, again, you've disrupted your message because instead of people listening to you and taking in the data that you've put up on the screen, they're trying to figure out, what does that say? I can't, I can't read that. Think of the menus that you've seen at places like Chili's or, or other restaurants way back in history when we used to go out. Think about those places and think about the ones you could read and you couldn't read. So think about your font face. Think about how it's going over images. All of these become really, really important. Stick to one color. Make it easy to read. It, it, you're not you know, the pinks and the purples and the greens. Stick to a color that people can read. Think of what's going on. Avoid bullets, dashes, italics, drop shadows, multiple typefaces in the same line. Just don't do it. You don't need it. If you're going to have bullet point things, go from slide to slide and put them all there or make it nice, nice and big. But again, you want 24 point or bigger. If you're using 24 point or larger fonts, then you can't fit a lot of words on a screen. Other point to that is if you've got a whole bunch of text you want people to get, give them a handout. It's easier. It's way easier. And again, it keeps people engaged. Don't overload information in your slides. Add another slide. Keep each slide simple and easy to understand and works with what you're saying. Don't just don't keep filling it so that it's a jam-packed slide. Just add another slide. Make sure you give credit to those people who use photos. And, and that's like, you might say, well, what are you talking about? Look at, look at the end of my presentation here. All of the photos in my presentation have credits. Uh, they're all credited at the bottom. So make sure you're giving credits to those people who you're using photos from. And uh, if you're going to use videos which sometimes we put videos into things, they need to be short. So go back and think to the toaster guy. His weight, his could be a, a little bit shorter on some of them, but you want to have short videos. Five, seven, ten seconds is about is a good long video. Ten seconds is a good long video. Then get rid of it. 
make sure you're contextualizing it. The one minute videos and those kind of things waste. They're taking over your talk. Don't do it. Just use a short video and always make sure as you're transitioning. And this is the thing you need to transition. If you're going to use videos and stuff. And as you move from slide to slide, you need, you need to have transitions. So, uh, you know, think about what you're going to say to go there, not necessarily the, the, the dust thing. And it, it twirls and it moves to the next one. Don't do it. Just go to the next one and, and tell us where you're going. That becomes that important side of things. So the, the, the core idea here is, as we're, we're thinking about these things, is you need to be thinking, okay, how and what am I doing? What's the purpose of the images that I'm using? What are they bringing to my talk? Are they adding to what I'm saying? Are they helping to clarify something? If they're not, don't use them. How am I going to fit them into what I'm saying? How, do, how, am I gonna, how am I gonna interact with those visuals that I'm using? If it's not clear how you're gonna interact with them, get rid of them, don't use them either. There's no need for them. So you wanna think about all of this. And this is why we haven't been doing any visual presentations as in not, not visual as in you, which would be a better class, quite frankly, because I think there's half of the presenting activity is how you present things, but... We'll do a masterclass when we're someday back at university and you, we'll, we'll put one on at lunchtime and we can, we can do a couple lunch hours to, to sort of short, sort things out. But why we haven't been using PowerPoint or, or other visual things in our presentations is because we need to think about it and you need to think about it and you need to process all of this information that I've just been firing at you. The key thing to remember is the standard stock way that you've been using PowerPoint for the most part is not the way you want to use it. It's not the way it's intended to be used and it it takes away from your presentation. And that's, you just don't want to do that. You're the presenter and you want your presentations to be amazing. And that really means that you need to be thinking about how is it and, and what is it that I'm doing? How is my presentation being supported, being built on by what's being presented versus how is, it, how is it taking away from what I'm doing? And your goal constantly, remember, it's a sender-receiver model. You're sending ideas. You're encoding it with the words, with the way you're doing things, with your images. You're encoding an idea so that someone on the other side is hearing it they're receiving it, they're decoding it, and you want them to get the same information that you're putting together with ultimately an action, an effect in the end. What is it? You want them to know something about things. You want them to do something, etc. So that all becomes important. The, the key thing here is you need to be planning. Just like you plan a talk, you need to be planning, okay, what am I using for visuals? In this informative talk on Thursday, no visuals, just you, just you talking persuasive, motivational, visuals. And so you want to you wanna be practicing with that a little bit. It adds a whole other element to things and not necessarily a good element. And when I say not necessarily a good element, two things we have a problem with. One, talking with visuals and working through them so that we've got, we, we, they, they work with us. Two, some, we often create bad visuals. And we're not thinking about, okay, how is this all coming together? What am I producing? Why am I producing something? And, and we have to think about that. If we're not thinking about it, we're going to run into problems. It's as simple as that. You need to be thinking about these things. Ladies, do we have any questions? Do we have any questions? Questions, observations, thoughts? Questions, observations, thoughts, ladies, anything. It's a lot of information that I've just fired at you. Questions, observations, thoughts. Sir, if you're saying, like, uh, don't use PowerPoint. I didn't say don't use PowerPoint. So it's fine if I use PowerPoint? Uh Uh-huh. But not in your informative talk. And my uh, persuasive, what is it? And your yeah. per- so what I said, I didn't say don't use PowerPoint. I said, beware of using templates. And I said, beware of what you're using the PowerPoint for. Beware of what you're putting on your slides. I didn't say don't use PowerPoint. 
I said that what we typically see in a standard ZU presentation is visuals that don't necessarily connect, way too many words, fonts that are too small, and no clear reason for that presentation, that that visual to be there, given that you're the presentation, not what you're putting up on the board. So you've all, you've really got to be thinking, how is it working with you? So as you're producing that that PowerPoint, that becomes the challenge. So I'm not saying don't use PowerPoint and you will be using visuals. I'm just thinking, saying, think about how you use the PowerPoint. So what's, what's the classic ZU PowerPoint? Puts it on, there's a title page, it's got your name, it's got your student number, then you give me the outline, then you give a whole bunch of words and things. That's the wrong way to use PowerPoint. What, what you're putting up there on the screen is what you want to give people as a handout. Okay, can I... Uh, can I like just use pictures and videos, but don't get like, don't write any points and then talk about it. That would probably, if you, have you been watching some of the videos that we've been, I've been showing you, like even the Matt, what did, what did Matt Coots do? Do you remember his? Yeah. He showed us like, uh, what, what's in all what's, as we take a look at his, let me just back up here as we take a look he at showed us Something, but he didn't uh, like he just played the photo. He didn't talk about it. Follow in the footsteps of the great idea is actually so new. This is just a bright amount of time to add a new. We've got this one. Take a pic. Myself. We got this one. We got this one. Tens of thousands of people. Got that one. So I did. We got this one. No. Hold on. Where's the other one? Hold on. There's more. So anyway. I'd like to mention, I learned that when I made small, sustainable changes, things I could keep doing, they were more likely to stick. So the point being of all that is as you're watching some of these videos, that's the way you want to use PowerPoint. As you go back to what, you know, again, what we were just looking at with, with, with the Bono video, and there's, there's plenty more of them, I mean, out there as you start taking a look. There, there are plenty of them. Again, what are we looking at? Even look at the Thomas Thwaite, the way he's using his stuff. As we're looking at Bono and the way he's pulling together his, his video, his, sorry, his slides. And as you start taking a look at them, so we go back down near to the back here. Oh, that's, I love this one. So as we're looking at these 10 get to zero again, what are we looking at? And he's using a whole bunch of graphs that he stylized, but I, the whole point is I'm not saying don't use PowerPoint. I'm not saying don't use keynote. I'm not saying don't use Prezi, but what I am saying is use it well. And the way we typically use things, small fonts, photos that don't make sense, a whole bunch of ideas that aren't connected you want to start, you, you want to break the habit. You want to break the cycle. You want to use it correctly. So can you, as Fatma just said, could you just have an image up there? Yes. Why? Because in your presentation, that image is working with you. So you want to go and do the reading and, and, and let that inspire you a little bit, but you want to be thinking about why am I doing this? So why do I want to put all these words up on the image? Why? Because that's how it's always been done. That's how I keep seeing it being done by people. Is that the best way? Go watch more TED videos and, and look at the commonality um, among what they're doing there and what they're using. For me, that is the way you should be doing them. In, in the t- basic talks we're doing, if you're doing a, a pitch talk for something, you might have to alter things a little bit. I did a great talk for IBM. They, I, I sent them my presentation. They said, best PowerPoint I ever saw in my life, James. And then they said, sorry, now can you put them on our template? And I, I said, what? And they said, yeah, we loved your, your, we loved your presentation. Best we've ever seen. It's, it's best in years, but you got to put it on our template. And I was like, okay, I can do that. And I, you know, you have to do what you have to do. But yes, you want, you can and should be thinking how it's going to get together. Does that make sense, Fatma? Yes, sir. Thank you. Awesome. Um, Metha, what's your question? Metha has a question.
no question. Any any more questions about where we're going so far with with these with the what I just presented? Again, we've got lots of different angles to it. Think about it. What I what I would ask you to do is is you got a lot on your plate right now for Thursday and and creating these spectacular presentations as you can do. Think start thinking about where you're going with your persuasive speech. Start thinking about hey, I've got to use some slides. I've got to use some some visuals. There's no there's no mandate on how many slides you use nor how few. You just need to use visuals. There's no mandate saying you have to use 20. You could use one, you could use two, you could use what is necessary, but you want to incorporate that into what you're doing. As I said, there's no reason you can't go to black screen and then come back on. It's there's all you're you're using those images, those visuals that you're going to put up as something that is adding to your presentation. That's, that's the goal. So you want to think like that. Questions, ladies, more questions. None. So let's, let's take a break then till 1030, 1035. Let's take a break till 1035 and when we come back, let's let's do our one minute presentations on tips, two tips for students on how they can make a boring class interesting for themselves. So what what as I as I sent you in the the an announcement is really is it's it's all about um, thinking about how you're presenting things, thinking about how you put them together, etc. And that becomes really important. So we're practicing how we're going to be doing all of our speeches. And so when we come back at uh, 1035, let's move forward and let's go. Let's, let's do our presentations and see what you want to wow your classmates. That's your goal. Wow your classmates with this wonderful introduction, great points, spectacular conclusion, just a wonderful story. You want to wow your classmates. You have been listening to Calm 230 in the summer. My name's James Pikeway. Today, Day eight, we're talking about visuals. We're talking about informative speeches again. It's going to be awesome. You want to hit the notes, get a look at what went on in the class, please do so. www.jamesed.com if you want to get a hold of me at the James Cast on the socials. Thank you very much for tuning in. Talk to you again soon.